It's the SaaS Brand Strategy Show. We're back in 2022. Our first official episode of 2022. We cheated. The last week's episode was recorded in the previous year, but we are back with the new year of content with the same old us. Mike, Dustin, welcome to a new year. New year, same us. How are you? Better than I deserve. Still love it. <laughs> I still love it. We're on the slow roll, apparently. We're all a little slow off the mark, but we'll get there. It was a good, it was a good break. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Any um anything epic to report from break or holiday or since I last saw you, gentlemen? Anything we exciting? Had, uh, we had epic amounts of snow in the mountains, which was great. We also had epic amounts of COVID. Not so great, but um other side of great, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we called it. It's Little Cottonwood Canyon is where I ski. We called it Little COVID Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> it was just full of New Yorkers, but it is these days. It's all right, yeah. it's all right. We, we all made it through, and um, yeah, I, was, I, I can't ask for much more than powder. So there you go. There you go. Anything yeah, to report nothing, on your side? We had, we had epic snow as well, um, and we are now Teton County, Wyoming, is the top in the nation in terms of uh, per capita COVID infections. So we're, we're winning. And, and so everybody thought, you know, the joke, the joke was, Hey, stay at home, enjoy, stay home for the holidays. And uh-huh. like, nobody listened to that. And sure enough, we're, we are literally top in the nation. So this is, this is why it's funny. Ha ha. Not funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, different podcast, the, the, the COVID kvetching could be a different podcast. <laughs> And yet these days it feels like it dominates everything. So how you been totally. is, is part of partially that, right? So yeah, it's, a, it's a way to deal with it. Like that's how everybody deals with it is by talking about it. And I think that's healthy on some levels, but totally won't yeah, get we're too far super fortunate that we go outside. Yeah. I mean, that's where we do our things. And so we're yeah. really not impacted to be honest. Right. We shouldn't really be kvetching at all. <laughs> <laughs> word, word, word. I know no mountains by me, but I'm still getting on the bike. So I got... I got my outdoor time, um, but you are not here for COVID fetching. You are here, listeners, for the SaaS Brand Strategy Show, and that is exactly what we are also here for. Um, we've got one this week that, uh, you know, a, a tweet came across our timelines uh, that caused a conversation internally, and it caused enough of a conversation internally, we decided we should have a conversation about it externally with all of you. Uh, that tweet that I'm referring to came from uh, a guy named Ryan Breslow, who uh, is a founder of a company called Bolt. If you've heard of Bolt, um, he also founded another company called Eco or Echo. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but you may have seen him around Twitter. He's one of those software guys that's out here doing a lot of threads, trying to dispel a lot of information expertise, maybe air quotes, whatever you will. And uh, Ryan had done a thread the other day about the concept of product market fit. It's a thing we've talked about on the show. We, in fact, did an entire episode about product market fit, but it comes up a lot in general. And inside of that thread was uh, a tweet that said this. It said, product market fit differs between B2B and consumer businesses. B2B generally solves pain points for other businesses. The three ways to find product market fit in B2B are to one, reduce costs, two, drive efficiency, 
Or three, enable new forms of revenue for other businesses. Build it cheaper, faster, or smarter. I know why this rubbed us the wrong way, <laughs> but I'm going to ask anyway. Uh, Dustin, why did this rub us the wrong way? Well, first, we have to decode his language there. So um, he's essentially saying B2B software either saves time or saves money. I think, you know, he used efficiency and um, maybe I forget how else he described it. So, um, and then the third category is you, you enable a new way to make money for your business, which that is a legitimate category. And that's where most software lives. Like you're enabling a business to do something they couldn't do before that enables them to wow their customers and have an experience that gets, that lets them drive more revenue in their business. Um, if all your software does is save time or save money, uh, you're not going to be very successful. And the reason this rubs us the wrong way is we do messaging and positioning work for SaaS companies. And often um, their messaging and positioning framework anchors on a time savings or a money savings uh, angle because it's tangible and it's real. And so they talk about it. Um, and so that's why we decided to chat about this is first off um, this you know, he's 27. He's been wildly successful. I think Bolt, it just got valued at $4 billion. It's a headless checkout platform. Um, essentially what that means is uh, you can put, you can bolt, bolt onto your e-commerce platform and have a one-click checkout experience a la Amazon. Um, Fast is another company doing this. So there's, and there's probably more. Um, those two both are over billion dollar companies. So um, kudos to, uh, what's his Twitter handle? Uh, at the Ryan King. So kudos to Ryan King um, for making a $4 billion company. And so he's sharing his knowledge out there. And that's this, uh, this was a tweet storm. I don't, I forget how many were in it where, you know, he's just generally trying to share what he's learned, um, but he's wrong in a lot of it. And so it's okay. That's how we learn. Um, and we just want to make sure that, you know, the, the double the time we've been doing this, um, that we've seen this and what actually happens when you lead with price or time. And so that's what we're going to discuss today is why you cannot anchor your messaging platform on saving time or money. doesn't mean that saving time or money is bad. Those are great. And they yeah. might help you, you know, move the deal down the pipeline, but you can't lead with it. And we're going to get into why. Yeah. I guess, uh, before we get into the why of why you can't lead into it, um, Mike, from your perspective, why do you think so many people do lead with it? Like what, what about time and money is so common in, in value prop messaging? Are people lazy? They, they don't uh, actually know what their superpower is. Well, they think it's, isn't that the promise of software to begin with? And they also think it's tangible. Um, and they think it's, um, adjacent to what everybody kind of wants to be. It becomes this thing where you're like, again, it's the essence of strategy is sacrifice. And this is like, we're going to appeal to everybody with save time and save money. Um, the, the problem with that um, is that it becomes a commodified um, competition. You start, if you start competing on how much time and how much money you save, it becomes a race to the bottom. Um, and, you know, how we frame it as the Super Mario model, it doesn't, saving time and money isn't a Super Mario move, 
right? It becomes, if, if you're selling, I'm going to save you time and I'm going to save you some money. You know, it becomes kind of a value prop to a junior level person. Um, because the senior level person wants to become Super Mario. And the junior level person says, oh, I can like improve my standing here, or improve efficiency or improve what have you by saving a little time and a little money. Um, and incremental change, which is what this will be, not only does it become commodified, it, it just, it, it's, it doesn't have a huge return. Like if you're sacrificing... Super Mario for a little time and a little money, that's that's not a good value exchange. So um, if it's completely disruptive and revolutionary and it removes and eliminates something that you've already done um, magically, awesome. But you're still talking, you still have to talk in Super Mario terms. Sure. And time and money are things that none of us will ever have enough of. So, so, so if you promise to give someone more time and more money, you can't fill that bucket, right? You'll never I mean, there's, fill that bucket. There's always that thing, like the most valuable thing is time. It's the one thing we can't get back, right? Like how, yeah. so how we spend time and the time metaphor is always cashed in um, save time, spend time. It's always cashed in currency terms. So there's yeah. definitely something there. Um, quality of time versus quantity of time is kind of, can be an interesting frame as well. Um, but this whole idea of, Let's say you lead with, we're going to save you time and money. Well, then the person who's the, the buyer on that is going to start comparing everybody. Who saves me more time and who money? Who saves me more money? I don't think that's going to be the place you're going to win. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, and it's ultimately, a, it's a comparison statement. You're just setting yourself up for somebody to come in and be like, well, I can save more time and more money. Right. And so, you know, you the last thing you want to do is have your lead to the market be something that can be immediately compared. Yeah. And I think a lot of these software companies have some insight where they they're the only ones doing it. And so save time and money is new for this market. They're like, oh, I've never been able to save that time or money before. But you know, as product-based differentiator is going away, praise David Cancel, Mike yeah. Toriano. Um <laughs> yeah. that you know, that's a that's a limited time offer that you're going to be able to say that. And so somebody's going to come out and just say they save more time. More money. Yeah. Limited yeah. time and, offer. Great way to talk about it. Yeah. So it's it's accessible when you're young and new. It's not sustainable. And I guess, you know, that's what we're here to talk about. Um, yeah. I, it's also not interesting. Totally. If you're trying to have impact on the market, like, I mean, even like consumer packaged goods brands, when they talk about convenience and efficiency and saving time and money, they're doing it in a way that's way more interesting. Um, it, it's, it's embedded in there in that story. You know, if you're talking about like, um, you know, uh, cleaning stuff or, you know, tools, there's always like a save time money thread in there, but they never lead with it because of all the reasons we just kind of stated. Yeah. And when they show the, the grass stains coming out of the clothes, I don't even know if they do this anymore, but when we were kids, but like they would show the mom, getting her kid, her clothes, her kids clothes clean. And it wasn't about that. They cleaned them. It was about that. Her kids looked great and they didn't have grass stains in their clothes. And like, they yeah. would show a picture of the family, super happy and looking radical and that, you know, it's about the outcome. It wasn't about what the detergent did. And that, you know, it's so funny how all of this stuff in B2C that was figured out so long ago. And again, praise cancel. And then uh, DG's over there reading the Ogilvy on advertising book, but that's where a lot of this stuff was developed and it still rings true today. 
And so yeah. you got to talk about the outcome. And so if you're going to save people so much time and money that it's life-changing, then what does that life look like when you have all this time and money? Not Don't talk about the time and money. Sure. Well, and I think too, with the B2B spe- situation specifically, you know, you're never going to appeal perfectly to your audience's needs or your audience's pain if you're leading with time and money because B2B businesses aren't going to Google and searching for a time saver or a money saver, right? I mean, they want those things. They want those tools to be able to accomplish those things for them, but that's not what they're searching for. That's not like, that is not the express pain that they're feeling. Their pain is different than that. It's just that time and money is a thing that can help that painkiller taste better maybe, but it's not the thing that, it it is not the painkiller. Yeah, and I guess- Sorry, Mike, I just want to introduce the painkiller versus vitamin. Um, do you want to lead that? Because he just brought no, up painkiller. No, you go. And we, we didn't talk about the vitamins. <laughs> so that um, software often gets uh, categorized this way, which is a decent way of doing it. I don't know who came up with this analogy, but it at least forces people to talk about like how important is the problem you solve. And they say, do you, do you have a painkiller or do you have a vitamin? And you know, it's pretty easy to say time and money is a vitamin because- if you're saving somebody time, that means they've already figured out a way to do this process without you. Yes, it's taking more time, but they're getting it done. Uh, at Backcountry, I remember there was one, so we had to write all our own software there. And so we were constantly like looking at like how much developer time is it going to take to build this functionality that's going to make your job easier versus how much, you know, how many hours are we paying $15 an hour people to do it? And there was this system we had our, where we placed the POs with the vendors. And then this, the, they'd ship us the stuff. And then we had to match the POs up to what we got to what they invoiced us. It was PO matching. I mean, it was, it was tedious. We're talking uh, millions of items and like hundreds of thousands of POs that this accounting team was matching by hand. And they were in the pain cave and they begged and pleaded every year for us to build a system to do it. <laughs> and for a long time, we could not because the opportunity cost was too high with the engineering hours where we could build something that would raise conversion on the website or enhance the customer experience and impact the entire business. We just said, no, we're going to give you the budget to hire 20 more people to keep matching those POs because that's a better return for the business. And that's an example of it being a vitamin. It was like, yeah, we, and eventually we did build it and it was life-changing for them. <laughs> but I remember that specific conversation because it was, there's just the decision we had to make. And if it was a painkiller, we would have done it way sooner, but it was just a vitamin and we could pay people to do it. So, th- go sorry, go ahead, Dustin. So I was just say, you know, that's just a decent way to frame it. And a lot of people have written about this. Um, Ryan, the Ryan King didn't mention that or didn't frame it up that way. So maybe he hasn't seen it, um, but it's a good way to look at things. It is a great way to look at things. And the thing that just popped into my head as you were saying that, Dustin, is there's a difference in urgency between a vitamin and a painkiller, right? Like everyone knows you should still take vitamins, and but you're going to do that every day as a prolonged activity for longevity. That is a long-term solution to a less painful problem. Whereas a painkiller is like, I've got a migraine now. <laughs> so I need something much more urgently now. So, so identifying the pain, I think is so much more important than identifying the vitamin because there's an urgency there that creates motion and emotion and action on the part of the consumer and the buyer. You know, a thing that you were saying as well, uh, related to the, um, 
related to the race to the bottom, but also related to that vitamin stuff. This this Ryan Ryan Breslow guy actually says that at the end of the tweet. He says, build it cheaper, faster, or smarter. And like to your point, Dustin, those are all just compare that's comparative language. Every single one of those things is just better, better, better. Yeah. It's it, less it's expensive, interesting because quicker. He, he he positions Bolt as you know the Amazon one-click checkout. So he just compares himself to something that already exists. Yeah. So yeah, it's already a comparison Um, and it's working for him. So again, some people get lucky and you can do this, you know, in a, I would say a hacky way and, and get there. Um, We'll, we'll see, you know, if it goes public and it becomes a, you know, a sales force, but I mean, sure. Code free one click. (laughs) Well, and and I think to your point, no code, like just no code, no code. (laughs) I think to your point, us to know like businesses that jump into these, these verticals sometimes do see a lot of success because, Hey, do you want to check out like Amazon? Yeah, I do. Cause that doesn't exist for me right now. I can't get that anywhere else. And that is categorically cheaper, better, faster, et cetera, for me as a business. But what do you do when there's five bolts in the market now? And they all do one click checkout for e-commerce stores. Now you're, now you're, better language doesn't matter to anybody. Now someone's just going to go, which one of these solutions is the cheapest one? <laughs> Great. Yeah. They're, just because we're diving into it for a second, the, the essence of their business is that they, as people register on different websites, Bolt is storing that customer information. So if somebody came to Caddis and we had Bolt installed and they had bought on backcountry.com and registered there, their information would be available to check out with one click on Caddis. And sure. so it's a little bit of a community effect and whoever gets the most users the fastest will win that game. Sure. So just, um, and, uh, yeah. So I'm in the e-commerce space. So I know way too much about their businesses and I don't use fast or bolt, but I know how they work. And there was a company called shop runner in like 2005 that tried the same thing. It was a conglomerate of retailers. They were offering free two day shipping. If you registered, you could check out in one click. And so it's not new, but. Huh. Shop runner. Shop runner. I think it's still around. It was a, it was a, uh, it was like everybody trying to go against Amazon even back then. And so I think it was like, I don't know if it was Target, but it was like Sears and Kmart and like a bunch of the big, like Dick's Sporting Goods, people like that were all in it. I remember they wanted Backcountry to be in it. We didn't join. Shoprunner.com, the fast yeah, track to free two day shipping. Oh, it's still a thing. Wow. <laughs> a, whole, a whole website, modern brand. It's up. It's here. Okay. Shout out well, Shop Runner. Shop Runner, uh, you missed your opportunity to be a headless one-click checkout platform. Wow. Ryan hey, the Great. I don't know. Swooped you. He's probably going to buy you now. Two-day shipping. That's the that's the crux right there. Yeah. Well, back in 2005, uh, Amazon was pretty much offering you know free two-day. Might have been yep. a little bit later. Might have been 2008. But anyways, we were all freaked out because we could barely figure out how to efficiently ship something for free via ground. And so we're like starting to open warehouses across the country, to like get more packages of people via ground in two days. And shop runners pitches like, join us. We'll, we somehow through our collective, we'll be able to ship free two day to everybody, which I don't think that actually works. So Ryan, let me ask you this. If you're VP of marketing or if you're VP of brand or if you something in this B2B SaaS, let's make up a company. And somebody comes to you, the product guy comes to you and says like, you know, our anchor, our anchor, our angle is all going to be like, okay, we save you time and money. Like that's going to be our position. Like 
how do you, what's kind of the process you go through, the thought process you go through to, to understand like, okay, I hear what you're saying from the product perspective, but here's how we're going to present to the customer. Yeah. I mean, it's trying to help people co- correct because instinctually that's where people go to. I think, you know, yeah. kind of my curtness when I'm answering this question is because it's the thing we've heard a million times totally. um, and no strategy is ever going to anchor on saves you time, saves you money. It's just not differentiated. It's not interesting. It's not, doesn't have any kind of an insight or an unlock. So, but people that don't have strategists on staff or lack um, expertise or experience in taking these kind of rudimentary uh, value props and turning them into something interesting. Like what can they do? What's the exercise that they can do to kind of elevate their story? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing I'm saying to that product person is like, can you show me all of the customer data we have that says that that is the primary reason people use our software? Mm-hmm. Because that's what I want to know as as a marketer. Because to you know, to your point, Dustin, in some situations, some very few though, in some situations that might be the primary reason someone uses you. But I'd want to go through the exercise of actually talking to our ideal customer profile and getting into their heads and being like, "What hurts? What actually hurts here enough that you need a painkiller?" And then let's sell it as a painkiller. Because you have to have the market tell you where it hurts for you to be able to diagnose their hurt. Otherwise, I think it is to the vitamin point. And actually, that's another way to say it is like a painkiller is prescriptive, right? You might use ice, you might use heat, you might use aspirin, you might use Tylenol, you might use all of the above. But vitamins just sort of a blanket thing, you know, just take a vitamin, it, it covers all your bases, all your, you know, whatever you need to take on a regular basis. And I feel like a product person coming to you and saying, we're going to index on faster and cheaper is that blanket statement. Well, I want to know where exactly it hurts and how acute the pain is so that we can create something that's more tailored to the acuteness of the pain. Because that's what's going to resonate with your customers going forward is the acuteness of that pain inside of your ideal customer. Yeah. One of the exercises we use um, with uh, clients is, you know, it's a, it's a thought exercise. It's a little bit of a judo move, but it's really important. You know, at the question, there's a, there's a big difference between what the product does and what you can do with the product. So let's have that conversation. It's fine to talk about what the product does. Now let's flip it around. What can our customer do with the product? And that's a much bigger value proposition and kind of space to play in. It's way more interesting. And even just that that little um, judo move around the language um, can be really powerful. Right. And so the other uh, piece you were kind of driving home there, Ryan, is if you can name the enemy. So that's the pain. You want to make it a painkiller? Well, you got to have a pain. And so try name the try to find the enemy. Um, and then, as Mike said, you know, flip the question. Yeah. And almost any team can like at least do that to kind of just frame up like, okay, how can we talk about this in some other way? And it's yeah. totally fine, like A-B test and if, you know, save time, save money is still winning in all of your ad creative and it's driving the most demos, then you're in a market where I guess that pain, nobody else has saved more time or money and it's still working. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not saying you can't, 
never do this. And in fact, when you don't have any other insight and it is real and there's nobody competing with you, it might be the quickest way to, to get customers in the door, but guaranteed to scale the business, you are going to need to come up with a painkiller and an enemy and a narrative about what does life look like after you have our product? Just like the, you know, the mom got her kids clothes clean and she had this amazing family experience. That was what life looked like if you used Tide. So same thing with the software. Yeah. It'd be interesting to think about, and we've had these interviews with customers um, through our process where they have explicitly said, I signed on with X company because of the time and money thing, but then I found somebody else that saved me more time and money. And so I jumped to them. And yeah. so there's no loyalty there, right? They're like, they're just hopping around and, and scraping whatever incremental gains they can get out of the next one, the next one, the next one. And the LTV on somebody like that is not something you're going to want to anchor on um, for the future. Well, and totally, Mike, and we talk about, I mean, the show is called SaaS Brand Strategy. And you don't have, if if everyone if everyone is just going to do it cheaper or faster and you're willing to give up whatever tool it is for the cheaper or faster version you don't have a brand right like you, your business doesn't have a brand if the only thing that you have better than your than your competitors is how fast you can do it or how cheap you can do it yeah totally um one thing too that i just wanted to say you know going back to your your hypothetical, Mike, what if someone's saying, we want to talk about this? I do think part of the reason we do hear it from a lot of our clients, and I think a lot of people who work in software businesses in general go, well, I want to talk about this is because in in most situations, it's, it is true, right? It is true that your product will save time and it will save money for, for your customers. That it shouldn't be fine. slower and more expensive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like people, are, so people go, well, it does do those things. So why can't I say that it does those things? And I don't think anyone here is saying you can't say that it does those things. What we're saying is if that's your lead, if that's your primary value prop, you don't have a differentiated business, you do not have a unique brand, and you do not have a way to scale because you will always lose those competitive comparison conversations for the rest of the life of your business until you diagnose what that specific pain is and then market against it. Well said. What else? What'd we miss? Anything else? Oh, I'm sure we missed a lot. We always do. If you want to tell us what we've missed, (laughs) go ahead, Dustin. Yeah. Hi at drmg.co. There it is. There it is. If you want to tell us what we missed, you want to yell at us, it's hi at drmg.co. You can find us on LinkedIn. We post clips from the show and thoughts that we have as we work with our clients and as we navigate the content we encounter in the universe. Uh, So you can find us on LinkedIn and follow us that way. Um, Yeah, or just go to drng.co, learn a little bit more about what we do. And uh, and like we said, if you want to send us an email about the show or about anything we said, got show ideas, topics you want to hear us talk about, it's hi, H-I at drmg.co. Mike, Dustin, appreciate you as always. Thanks, Ryan. Good to see your faces. Good to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year and Happy New Year to you, listener out there in the ether. We appreciate you being here. Uh, Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening. And as always, we will see you 